GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. Footballer Jace Olivero has moved back to Gibraltar after several months in Denmark playing for FC Helsingor, a Division 2 club. He's joined the local league leaders St. Joseph's. Jace joins us for a conversation about his time away and the lessons learned. And Robin Shepard Capurro will be here for that as well. And we speak to James Nish about the last few days for GBC's 60th anniversary exhibition. That's ongoing until Wednesday at the Gustavo Bacarisas Gallery in Casemates. But first, the Chief Minister and the Deputy Chief Minister will answer questions from a House of Commons committee this afternoon. Our news editor, Christine Vasquez, is here to talk to us about that. They're speaking to a Territorial Constitution Committee. So what sort of questions can we expect? So what the committee is doing is it's examining options for the for overseas territories representation within House of Commons proceedings, including within its committees. So what can they be expected to be asked? Well, about the changes to House procedures um, around legislative consent and transparency, how parliamentary select committees can work closer with the overseas territories and representation of the overseas territories to the parliament. We saw recently, we've been trying to remember between us <laughs> before we actually started this, um, that there was news recently about giving more prominence to the overseas territories, more prominence to that relationship between the overseas territories and the, um, and the United Kingdom, making sure that they are okay in a post-Brexit world, that um, they are treated individually, they were given the option to amend, expand their constitution to all of those who wanted it. And I remember one of the things that was made clear was, you have this option, we are granting you this option to expand and to um, grow constitutionally, but you have to behave. You know, there was very much a caveat of, you have to be aware of your responsibilities. Okay, so and 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 um, what, what is the Gibraltar government's position on that? Uh, the GSLP Liberals, ahead uh, of the general election, if I'm not mistaken, spoke about um, there being further uh, space for us to um, progress our, our constitutional independence uh, to to ensure that um, we we do one or two more things um, that wouldn't compromise our self governance. No? So that's right. The, I, I think we've always we've always heard. I think definitely the chief minister talk of that salami where you can there's still more to be sliced, um, and that's always been a debate of how far you can take a constitution whilst remaining British. And of course, there are so many issues within constitutional reform. We've heard of Parliament wanting to look at constitutional reform during the elections of further constitutional reform. And there, are, there, there must be so much to be done with, within that to actually increase. But yes, in terms of representation in Westminster, there's always that danger of um, definitely representation in, in Westminster, but as long as it doesn't dilute our own constitutional advances and where we are within our own parliament. So, yes, we want um, the best of both worlds. We really don't want a dilution of what we already have. Okay, and uh, the other point, I suppose, is uh, that 
the UK overseas territories can learn from each other um, and uh, and cooperate where possible, given that there are other small uh, overseas territories on the United Nations list of non-self-governing territories. So um, I suppose uh, this sort of forum also uh, allows for networking and for speaking to representatives of other OTs um, and sharing, you know, stories and, and seeing if there's anything that we can learn from what they're doing or, or for them to learn from what we're doing. And, and I'm sure that it would give the, the actual committee on, constitu- on territorial constitution um, some sort of blueprint or some sort of pattern of what the different OTs are, are wanting and perhaps what they have in common. There's just a quote from uh, the chair of the Procedure Committee, um, Dame Karen Bradley, MP. And so this is how she sums it up. Our inquiry is exploring Parliament's role in creating legislation that impacts the overseas territories, the options for reform and what effective representation could look like. We look forward to hearing directly from representatives of the overseas territories for their views on how we in Westminster can collaborate better with them on the issues that affect us all. And I do seem to recall that um, Mr Picardo has told GBC in the past that this is where we are now. We're looking to see what that representation could look like. That's where we are at the moment. Okay, and uh, I'm just reading through the uh, GSLP Liberal um, manifesto from a few months ago at the general election, uh, and um, and one of the things that they talk about wanting to pursue with the UK government is the potential removal of the term peace, order and good government from the Constitution of Gibraltar. And, and it's a point that we spoke to lawyer Charles Gomez about last week. These are reserve powers that the UK mm-hmm. government have, mm-hmm. um, which uh, th- a, a, a professor in 2017 of, um, of, constitution, uh, of constitutional law uh, suggested to GBC um, would place Gibraltar in a weak position outside the EU because it basically uh, gave the UK this out to uh, this ability to to sort of uh, effectively uh, override the Gibraltar Parliament when it deemed it necessary and and Hakim Youssef thought that it was too wide uh, a power uh, to 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 be rested in our constitution for Gibraltar's peace of mind so interesting it, it all depends how much you trust the the UK i suppose and whether you trust that it will be using the powers wisely and when needed the the last example we had of that was uh, during the abortion referendum when we thought that the uk could impose what we would call direct rule and say look if you don't pass that legislation we will but um what the positive thing to that to the removal of that is also that there are those who would argue that it gives us powers within the un for decolonization because it makes the point that gibraltar is more independent and less of a colonial nature. That, that would act in... Uh, it, in the removal of that would would, um, would serve yes. that point. Um, and, and before we let you go, Christine, a lot of excitement around the treaty uh, in recent days. We know that the Chief Minister and the Deputy Chief Minister, I always struggle to say Deputy Chief Minister, <laughs> um, that they are in London and among the things they're doing is uh, having some political meetings, um, but w- no sort of substantive developments today insofar as the, the treaty negotiations. No? I'm trying really, really hard to get enthused about treaty negotiations happening anytime soon because we've been here before, we've been here so often before. So, yes, a bit of excitement because um, the Spanish Foreign Minister has addressed uh, a forum this morning 
in in Spain. It's the uh, Politica Exterior for, Forum, and it's uh, led by. I'm actually lost in in my notes at the moment, but it's actually led by the the mayor of um, of San Roque, Juan Carlos Ruiz Boix Boix Boix. I can never say that. <laughs> <laughs> and it is um, Asuntos Exteriores Forum, and he has said. But has he said what he always says? And it's just perhaps picked up by the media in different language. We are prepared to sign. Um, this comes when last week he was saying, we think that this could be one of the last um, meetings again. So, yes, every time we think we're getting closer, but him saying we are prepared to sign, Spain has a proposal on the table, is nothing new. What he does sort of put a bit of pressure is on the timing. He does mention um, the European elections, the European elections to the European Parliament, which are beginning of June. And he does mention that in that if nothing is done before then and a treaty has to be ratified by Westminster, by Gibraltar, you're, you're running out of time. So physically, housekeeping, you're running out of time. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. And we're joined in the studio by uh, Jace Olivero. Thanks uh, for, for being here, Jace. Um, you, you, of course, uh, you've just moved back uh, to Gibraltar. Um, you've joined the league leaders, St. Joseph's, after uh, a spell of, what, three or four months? Four months, I think. No, five months at uh, FC Helsingor. Yeah, yeah. So in um, in the the late summer, I made my move to, to FC Helsingor. Um, and I was there through throughout in until um, Christmas time. We had a, a winter break, and and then I returned, and and I took the decision to to take the next step and and sign for for St Joseph's, and um, I'm just really really happy and and grateful to to form part of this uh, this great team, and and really excited to to what's uh, coming ahead. So, what what are the lessons learned from um, your uh, time at FC Helsingor? Would you say no, was, taken, was a positive experience? I've taken a lot of positive things, both uh, on and off the pitch. Um, Fluent in Danish? Uh, not quite. Not no. quite. Not quite. It's a it's a very difficult language to. <laughs> I've learned some words, but uh, it's a very difficult language to to learn. But uh, but yeah, it's been it's been brilliant. Um, it was a great experience for me. Um, footballistically, I learned so many things. Um, mentally as well it, it helped me a lot and yeah just obviously being there in a, in a foreign country um you know by myself away from from my family it just uh, helped me develop as a as a person as well and like i said both on and off the pitch it was uh, i'm taking a lot of lessons that will will definitely help me in the in the future it must take character to go to um uh, a country um that is as it is european but it's quite different very cold in the winter uh, with its own culture I imagine its own football culture, yeah. and to do that by yourself must be must have been quite difficult, no? Yeah, it, I guess it has its its challenges, like with with many any other any other move away from away from home. But um, you know, I was really I was really lucky to be able to do what I love, and you know, I I always want to give things a go, no matter what, and I wanted to give this a a really good go and do the best that I that I could, and and I'm taking so much from it, and I had the support from from all my family and friends and that just made things a lot better and they um made me feel really really welcome from from the very start over there as well so yeah it was just brilliant there was a there was a a change of manager no during your time there did did that have any sort of was that a factor in 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 your eventual decision to come back well look in football there are a lot of changes and um, when i came in it was a uh, 
one uh, particular coaching team um, and set up and and obviously when when there's a managerial change or coaching changes, there's always you know there's always changes um, and yeah it was just a couple of uh, a couple of things and the the time felt right you know like I said I had gained a lot of uh, a lot of good things with me and and it just felt right to to make this next step and and yeah just after speaking to to my family it felt like the right decision for me and. And I've realised that it, it definitely is. Mm. So you're now back on the rock. TJ back on the rock as well from 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 Wickham in in League One. Two huge additions to to the local league. But what would your response be to those that say, "Look, we need as many of our top players playing abroad for as long as possible"? Yeah, of course. I think um, any opportunity that um, any player can get to to go abroad and you know have that um experience and an opportunity playing abroad like i mentioned before it's uh, it will help you develop so much as as a football player and, and as a person as well um i can say that the the league in gibraltar is um developing very very well um and we have a lot of lot of good uh, good players and good teams here and and with each year it's it's growing as as it's evident uh, but yeah, most definitely, and I think TJ will say the same. That any opportunity that um, any player can get to go abroad to learn and and to progress, I think it will it will just help them help them massively and to make the most of you know the the years that they have um, enjoying the football at the at the highest level. And I think that will ultimately help them and and essentially will will help Gibraltar as a whole. Yeah. So it sounds like you come back um, with those lessons learned, like uh, an improve. Like you, you've you've improved elements. You're happy that you've spent those months away. Do you come back sort of stronger psychologically? Do you come back better as a player overall? Do you think? Yeah, most definitely. Um, at the end of the day, as well, you see things from different perspectives. You, it's different cultures, different challenges, um, and you know, I think that can only can only help you grow stronger um, you might come up against certain things that maybe you haven't come come up in the in the past and it will just help you grow and and as is life itself football is all just about you know continue learning and and growing and and I think moving abroad going to you know a different country a different environment different culture that would just help you to take steps forward and I've learned um, massively from from the coaches I had there from my teammates um, and just trying to, you know, um, learn as much as possible. And I think that's, um, I definitely know that that's uh, they helped me on on all aspects, and I can really feel it, you know, both um, physically, psychologically. Do, and you, do you feel just, physically stronger? Yeah, yeah. I just, I, it's, it sort of, I think, comes. It's linked with with an education as well in terms of different ways in in improving. Obviously, here we have so many good resources. But there's always more things to learn and going out there, you know, learning different ways on how to get better. Maybe things that just you might you might not have come across. Um, nutrition, here. maybe, something like that? Um, nutrition, types of training, maybe when to do um, certain types of training as well. Um, you know, because I'm personally someone that I always want to, you know, look at ways that I can improve in, in all aspects, physically, mentally. Um, and, yeah, there you're exposed. They have great resources you're exposed to to all these sort of different um different factors and and you sort of self-educate yourself and and learn okay i can do this i can do this and then you can you can apply it to to yourself so 
that's um, definitely something that I've that I've taken, and I feel in a really really good place now, and and I want to help them team as much as possible. So was the coaching in English or was it in Danish, and then they translate bits um, of it? Mostly it was all done in in English because we had some players from abroad also there that um, that spoke English. Um, it's the number one second language, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. English. Yeah. Yeah, Which made you. things, to be honest, they they made things um, they facilitated things as well in terms of if maybe they would explain certain things in in Danish, they would always make sure to to translate. Um, but then with time, I when there were sort of tactical meetings, you could say, and even it, though it was in Danish, I still understood in terms of football terms. I the, understood the po- what, pointing at the whiteboard, yeah, and yeah. moving. What, what the message was, maybe in terms d- details, I I had to to ask after. But um, they uh, facilitated that for me really well, so that was good. How about now as well? This season, St Joseph's flying. Look, they've been. Nearly, but not quite, a couple times in recent years. The last time they actually won the league was back in '96, if I'm not mistaken. Wow! Signed Jason Nathan Oliveira, Bagu and there was they are at the top of the league. It's obviously the Jace effect. Uh, they're doing <laughs> nah, at all, at all. They've uh, they've been. It's actually I had a. They've signed a lot of um, a lot of teammates that I had in at Europa yeah. last year as well. Yeah, so yeah. it's uh, that I think. Um, Helped a lot in terms of when when I've when I've joined the team, but um, they've signed really well on 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 all fronts, and and the team are, are very very strong. Um, something that you know I think is is really special that I've really realised from the start um, how together the team is because the team is a very good squad in itself, and everyone's competing for places. But you can really tell that everyone's pushing both, you know, at, um, at the football level, at board level, on. On all aspects, they're really pushing to to do to do their best. So, and that's really good to see. And I think all the 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 way the the club's moving forward is is a product of of that. And it's that togetherness that could turn a loss into a draw or a draw into a win. No, like on Saturday, you might not have been playing your smoothest best football, but that sort of that fight, that togetherness, and you nick it at the end. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that's. What um what football is all about? Um, you're not always going to have it your way in in the games. And yes, we would always like to have more control of the game, have a better flow, you could say. But um, you know that's that's part of the game. And and to be able to to get these these results is purely down to to the togetherness. I think you can see when when uh, when we were able to to get the late goal, you can just look at the bench and and the happiness there for. For the whole team is is um, that's something special. I think that will will drive the team forward most definitely. So so um, so yeah. So you come back to a team that's flying high and and optimistic then of winning the league for the first time in in, in a few decades. Yeah, most definitely. We were pushing for for the best and and look there. We've got other teams um, that that are going to be competing for for the same thing. And I think um, all teams have improved and taken steps forward. So we know that each game is is a final for us, and and we wanna you know we wanna be the best that we can be and and win everything. But we know that you know uh, just as we are, there'll be other teams competing for for everything also. So that's why you know we we take um, game by game, and you know with humility we just work hard and and look to to get the the most success that we can. And we've said it before, Robin, but uh, Jace is something of a you know role model for for young footballers in Gibraltar. They look up to you uh, because of your attitude and because of what you've achieved at a young age. Um, what would you say to youngsters who increasingly um, are looking into Spain 
uh, to play their football there because they want to push themselves as as hard as possible. Do you think it's uh, important to pursue what's best for you as an individual, even at an early age in your teens, or even earlier? Yeah, of course. Like for me, um, I've always treated it as I always try and be the best that I can be so then I can apply myself and help the team as much as possible um, and I think yeah definitely especially the youngsters should be should be open to to opportunities and and at the end I always you know each time I, I get the opportunity to maybe you know um, speak to them I always tell them that the main the main thing for them is is to play as much as possible and and get that exposure I think that's the most important thing um, and once they, you know, they're able to really build that foundation and get, you know, I think that will definitely open opportunities um, for them. I'm really grateful that through that sort of playing and exposure at an early age, I was able to to learn so much, and I think that really helped me um, in the later years. And I just, I just think they should take any opportunity. Um, never look back with with any, you know, any regrets or what ifs. If you have an opportunity, take it. And there'll always be something positive to take. Don't be, you know, don't be maybe um, pushed away for for certain reasons. Obviously, you know, um, with the support of family or, or friends or, or peers, um, try and make the best decision. But um, but I think any opportunity that comes available to them, they they should take because I truly believe. And having gone abroad now, um, I truly believe that the the talent and and just the culture that we've got here and within football as well um, is something really strong and we can do like big things out there also. How are we doing for time, John? Can I you please go for him? Yeah. yeah. Just on the subject of, of youth football, interested yeah. to get your to get your take. Man, I was watching the Australian Open final yesterday. Yannick Sinner won. He's he's a young man, but in his post uh, post game interview he said that he just wanted to thank his parents yeah. because his parents left it absolutely open to him as a youngster to play four, five, six different sports. Now he's a professional tennis player yeah. who's just won a major. Was it always football for you at a young age? Did you play multiple sports? Because a lot of people think that if you want to make the Gibraltar senior squad it can only be football from when you're four or five. I'm just interested to get your your take on what sort of where you stand on that. Actually, it was it was quite similar um, at the very very beginning. Um, you know, I was quite I was you know involved in sport, but it was a range of sports. I would play my football, but uh, I was also um, involved in swimming. I really enjoyed my swimming. I was doing triathlons as well. I was um, doing in school as well, doing a range of sports. And to be honest, I held that as much as possible for for as long as possible and i think until maybe the age of maybe 14 um well in terms of the schedule because for example swimming is a very you know it's a sport with that requires a lot of commitment so it was clashing a lot of times but um and i've actually when i did my degree actually um covered this as well that i think it's it's good for for um, young athletes to do a range of sports, and I agree, you know, they I think they they can learn so much from different disciplines, and that will help them transferable like, skills, transferable skills, and life lessons as well. Like I remember, honestly speaking, a lot of times, um, maybe uh, the weather wasn't great, and having to go now to to swim or um, you know to train, or maybe I wanted to to maybe just play like with my friends or something that really instilled and 
I chose to do that. And my parents, you know, just guided me at the end of the day, you know, they, they helped me with whatever I had decided with also educating me in the way of if I, if I choose to do something, you know, I'll stick to it until the end, you know, because if I could give my commitment to something, it's important that I continue that. Um, so that really helped me with that discipline factor. Um, that really helped me, which then I took it into into my football. So I think most definitely, if, yeah. um, you know, they can have that range of um, of different sports or just, you know, a different exposure. It's, it's transferable skills that will help them in everything. So Yeah, and, and I suppose those are quite complementary, aren't they? Because uh, the swimming would make you stronger yeah, physically, yeah. as you say, better better discipline, and, yeah. uh, and, and, and it helps you to bring those attributes then to your football and, and your football's better for it. No? Yeah, most definitely. And you can... I've been in school... Um, you know, coaching coaching young athletes and, and you can tell that, you know, they excel in, in different sports and you can see how they bring certain aspects of one sport into into the other and that ultimately helps them. I think um, at the end of the day, they will, uh, there will come a time where they may, may choose to, and obviously I'm, you know, football is my passion, but, um, you know, being, you know, a national team player for, for basketball or for any other sport is something really to be proud of as well. So I think you know, sure. at the end of the day, when the decision comes, they'll make the de- best decision for, for them. Yeah, Good stuff. Um, okay, so again, if we think of uh, young people who might be really um, loving their football and thinking of trying to pursue it uh, at a club outside of Gibraltar, um, what, what would your advice be to them? What's the, what are the important things? You, you've talked about having the support of family and, and, and friends. Um, Presumably, it, you know, it, it will be difficult at times. You've got to be prepared um, to, to have your character tested a little bit and to, and to feel the pressure, but to also feel confident that, that you'll be okay mm. and that you'll learn the lessons, no? Yeah, I think as well that um, when, when moving abroad, um, I think the, the young players from Gibraltar, they, they'll always have to I think it's important to keep in mind that they deserve to be there as well. Um, like you said, um, and like I mentioned before, it's it is difficult moving moving abroad, and and obviously you coming... almost have to like prove yourself again, no? Like yeah, all, all the years of reputation, maybe yeah, it's, 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 it's normal. I um, I experience. I'm sure um, the other players that have gone abroad have experienced it. You know, um, Gibraltar being a smaller nation, sometimes they you know people will say, "Oh, like where's Gibraltar?" They may not know. Um, because they just haven't, you know, been been educated in in um, in that way. But look, it's it's not a problem. But um, coming from a small nation, you know, you feel as if you have to prove yourself in bigger nations, um, bigger sorts of um, footballing footballing countries. But at the end of the day, you know, I think we all we all deserve to be there. And and the players, the young young athletes, they've they've worked hard to to be there. And when I made the move, I knew that I deserve to be there because of all the hard work and with all the young players they I think that's important that they should always keep in mind that um, they deserve to be there and and they have the right to to any opportunity just like any other player and I think that will will definitely help them moving forward On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott GBC's 60th anniversary exhibition is uh, sort of in the last stretch now, James. 
It is, and very important to us, quite insignificant on the back of, of course, talking all things uh, Treaty and House of Commons, uh, which is uh, very important. But yes, the final few days of a GBC 60 uh, years anniversary exhibition, which is on at the Gustavo Bacarisa's gallery, we close on Wednesday. Uh, that's uh, the last day. Um, our viewers and listeners may know that we had uh, a roadshow. Lucinda and Glenn were down there earlier today, uh, giving away 60 mugs. And I can tell you now, Jonathan, we've got more goodies to give away on the last day on Wednesday branded water bottles being given away oh, on yeah. Wednesday for our final day before we close. That's, that's a good incentive for anyone who hasn't gone down there or, or perhaps who did and really enjoyed it and would like a, a second bite at the cherry. Um, I know one of the things that went down really well, James, was the uh, the green screen. Um, uh, and I know that young people and young at heart people uh, really enjoyed sort of delivering the weather and, and having that interactive element. No? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I was looking through our visitors' book. There's a visitors' book which a lot of people have opted to sign and, and leave us a, a message. Very, very positive feedback from the community across the exhibition. But for that presenter experience, I think one of the great things we've seen, and I think you took your children um, to that as well, Jonathan. They did. Uh, they we, loved we, it. We've seen like eight, nine, ten-year-olds just telling us oh we loved the green screen experience um, for those who don't know it's basically green screen technology where you stand in front of a green screen and that's how we do the weather presentations for example when the weather presenter actually stands to present their weather forecast they don't see anything behind them and, and it's, there's quite an art to to getting it right you know sometimes you see on TV oh uh, yeah they're pointing at Spain no they're not it's because they don't physically have it <laughs> behind them and it's just like something which is I think has been an added bonus we wanted the, the exhibition to be a visitor experience and that's what it's been to more than 1,500 people. More than 1,500 people have visited that's the exhibition. Great. That's, that's great. great. Uh, so, so a legacy of vision and sound, it, it sort of celebrates GBC's 60 years uh, providing local television and radio. And I suppose in, in doing that, um, sort of in prompting conversations about that guarda detto and, and oh, look at him and look at her. I used to love this. And um, it, it also gives us an opportunity to take stock of where GBC is today and re reflect upon its mission statement going forward. No? Uh, that's absolutely right. And on the opportunity to celebrate with the community you know we always say gbc television and radio and the online services belong to the people of gibraltar this is your community channel and it belongs to all of us it belongs to us as gibraltarians it belongs to us as a community and what better way than to celebrate that together you know whether you are learning about gbc for the first time as a visitor or somebody who's recently moved to gibraltar or whether you're reminiscing i think one of the beautiful aspects of the exhibition is we've got to 1960s, 1970s vintage TV and a lot of grandparents have taken their grandchildren and they explained to their grandchildren there was no remote control and <laughs> there was no streaming and you physically had to get up and change the channel and there's one of the TVs that has eight channels and the kids are going like oh but where do you put the other channels and you're like we had GBC and Televisión Española and that's it and when one programme finished guess what? On the cliffhanger, 
you had to wait seven days before you saw the next episode. <laughs> Incredible, no? How technology and, and viewing um, patterns and habits have changed over yeah, the decades. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, just one thing that I do want to mention, because we've got a treat this Friday on GBC Rewind, because we've had lots of people going to the exhibition and sitting, watching. We've got 25 years of news, which has been shown at the exhibition together with our showreels. It's also been on the day on what we call our Loop TV um, during the daytime transmission. So if you've been following and seeing some of those pictures, you're going to get the full programme on Friday evening at nine to finish this week of exhibition. And that's GBC Rewind 25 Years of News. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from one to two, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.